Be confident. Be bold. Be authentic. But don't forget to take action. This is Ordinary to Badass, where our stories empower women to step into the spotlight of their own lives and pursue what they're truly passionate about. It's time to step into the arena and become more than just extraordinary. It's time to become a badass with your host, Marie Sonneman. number eight with Leah Larray. Leah is a sales and marketing leader, and she has a business and podcast called Shine Strong. In this episode, we'll talk about sales, scare tactics, and asking for what you want. I think that you'll really enjoy this episode. Stay tuned. Welcome to Ordinary to Badass. Whether you're ordinary or badass, I'm glad you're here. Today's guest is Leah Larray. Leah, thank you so much for being here. Excited to have you on the show. Yeah, I'm, I'm just honored to be here. So first, before we go any further, I've got to ask you, do you consider yourself to be ordinary or badass? I love that question. <laughs> um, I totally think I'm a badass. Nice. Have you always felt that way? Um, you know, I think just like any woman, we all, not we all, but like so many of us, depending on confidence levels, like it does, it just doesn't matter. We're, we all seem, we all feel like we're badass some days and like a total failure other days. So I'm just like anybody else, you know, today I'm feeling pretty, pretty badass just because I'm on this yeah. podcast. I love other it. days I might wake up and be like, mm, today is not my day. <laughs> So how do you talk yourself up on days where you say today is not my day? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's all, it's really all about being curious inside. Um, so there, there might be a day that just everything goes wrong. Um, for me, it's not necessarily about like things going wrong or my kids waking up too early or whatever. It's not necessarily about the outward things. It's about what I'm telling myself. Um, and so it's, it's, being aware of the things that you're telling yourself and then saying, Hey, is that true? Like starting to push back on, on that self-talk. And, and that's when you can, that's when you can start saying, okay, there's a problem I need to fix, or I'm freaking out about something that's totally not a thing. Right. Right. So I can't wait to get into your story a little bit, but first, will you share a little bit about yourself? Just share a short bio with the audience. Yeah, of course. Uh, so like you mentioned, I'm Leah LeRae. I, uh, gosh, it's always hard to know where to start. Um, but I, I've been in sales since I could talk really. Um, I just, I love sales. I love marketing. I love business. Um, that's where my career, uh, has been. And I woke up, um, one morning after a very successful sales career, um, like 10 years doing it, I woke up one morning and I couldn't answer the question, who am I or what do I want? And I was literally like laying in bed and I, I couldn't answer that question. And so it just sent me, it sent me spiraling. Um, and you know, after several years of trying to figure that out and trying to figure out who I was, I recognized so much about myself and I reframed the mantra in my head and 
I mean, we can talk a whole bunch more about that, but from that point, I kind of shifted my whole career, my whole lifestyle. And now I, I have a podcast called Shine Strong. Um, and I also have Shine Strong Business Development uh, Consulting, where I coach other women on how to grow their business in a way that feels good to them. Um, so often women are just terrified of sales and marketing. And, you know, there's this concept out there that has to be like sleazy and gross and, you know, spammy. And it doesn't. Um, so I just help women get over that and also grow their business so that they can have the flexibility that they need and they can make the impact they know they're capable of. I love that so much. So you said for several years, you're trying, you're trying to figure out or answer the question, who am I? What were you doing to try to figure that out during those years? Ooh, good question. Um, well, I, at the time I was working at a startup, like a tech startup and I was leading all of their business development. So sales, marketing, I was traveling 75% of the time, had a one-year-old at the time. Um, my marriage was falling apart. Um, I was honestly looking back, I was codependent on my goals and my achievements. Um, I was codependent on what people at work thought of me and um, if I hit my sales goal or not. And and if the company grew or not, like I was totally codependent on my goals. Um, Can you explain that? I, yeah. Being codependent on something is when you attach your self-worth to that thing, right? So a lot of people are codependent on other people. So in relationships, you'll see someone who, um, you often see women who are codependent on like their boyfriend or their husband or right. kids even. Um, and for me, I was codependent on my achievements and my job, um, which was interesting because it made me a very motivated employee. Um, I like come hell or high water, I was going to achieve anything they threw at me because my entire self-worth depended on it. Like right. inside, if I didn't achieve that, I was unloved, I was unworthy and I was a complete failure in life right? So yeah, um, that's serious motivation. Right. Um, so that's what I mean by being co codependent. Like my whole sense of self was wrapped up in what I was doing for my job. Every human, every human being is codependent at some level. Um, but when it gets to that extreme, that's when it's really unhealthy for right. everyone. And, and truly it wasn't healthy, you know, as, as motivated as I was, as, as, an employee, um, and how great that might sound. It's pretty hard to manage somebody who's like that. Um, because you know, when on a bad day, it's like the world was crashing down on me. Right. So I was that, that was the space I was in. I was just totally dependent on my goals and my career and my achievements. And when I realized that I was in a really bad place, um, and actually I realized it finally because I came across, I stumbled across the Enneagram. Are you familiar with the yeah, Enneagram? Yeah, totally. <laughs> yep. Whenever are you? Um, I can't, I think I switched to the investigator. I can't remember what number that was. I used to be an eight and then I switched maybe a five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was kind of interesting that within like a one or two year period, I switched from an eight to a five. And what's interesting about the Enneagram, what I love is that it talks about, and for any of you listening, Enneagram is a personality finder like test. Um, 
what I think is so great about it, it's spelled E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M. Um, I first heard about it on a podcast. And so I was like, how do you spell Enneagram? Like, how do I even Google that? <laughs> um, but I found it and I'm a three. So a three is an achiever. Um, what I love about it and what makes it different from like DISC or Myers-Briggs or anything else is that it tells you your, like, what's bad about you. Like it, it kind of rates you on a scale of one to 10 as being healthy or unhealthy. And at the time I was like a seven, 10 is the worst. Like 10 is literally like you are self-destructing. You are suicidal. I was a seven. And when I read that, I was like, holy shit. I, I knew I felt like I was in a bad place, but it was just, I was in a bad place. And it, something out there, like, it was like, it read my soul and it told yeah. me, yeah, you're in a bad place. And that's what really threw me into the cycle of, I don't know who I am or what I want. So to answer your question, I started approaching every woman I could find who seemed like she was successful. Because at that time, I thought being successful meant happiness. And that meant, you know, just having a good life, right? Right. Um, so I started approaching every woman I could find, asking them questions about like, you know, the, the questions started off very mild, like, oh, are you happy? Um, do you like <laughs> your job? And they just started snowballing, getting deeper and deeper and deeper and just starting getting into the weeds of, okay, tell me exactly what you do for your job because I, I effing hate mine. Um, <laughs> so like maybe what you're doing sounds cool. I want to know like what, what else is out there? Um, so did you know these women? Yeah. I mean, okay. most of the time they were women I knew, but then as after a while, I, I, I mean, the advice that they were giving me was amazing. And it was like, I have to share this. There are, there has to be other women like me who want to hear this stuff. So I just started recording episodes two days before I had my second child. I recorded my first episode and I was like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I watched a YouTube video and I was like, I'll try this. <laughs> um, so I started recording episodes and that was when it really started. I, I guess the snowball effect started happening more and more. And I started inter like people started coming to me wanting to interview. So I'm interviewing strangers at this point and asking strangers questions, asking women who had, you know, sold successful companies who are like gazillionaires. And you, to me at the time, I was like, that means you're happy. And for them to be like, that doesn't really matter. It was mind boggling. Um, so that's kind of how it started. And that built a good foundation for me to understand that truly nobody does it all. And right, truly right. nobody is perfect because I was striving to be in the top 5% every aspect of my life. And that's a lot of pressure. But when I realized that nobody actually has it figured out and, um, nobody's good at everything and some of those types of things, that was the foundation I needed to then take what I had learned and go to therapy and go to some intensive retreats, start reading some more intense books and start working with professionals to rewrite the mantra in my head and understand why I had a disordered eating problem. Like, where did that come from? I could start digging into why am I always anxious? Why am, you know, some of the bigger questions, I, I had the foundation at that point to where I could actually dig into that some stuff. Right. So a couple of things that I thought about when you were talking, 
One, have you re- read the book, The Road Back to You by Ian Crone? Mm-hmm. That I totally yes. loved that book. And kind of like you were saying, like it made me feel like, oh, this is exactly me. <laughs> yes. It's yeah. like they were reading my soul. Yeah. It, just crazy because a lot of the other tests, like the personality tests and stuff, they didn't really feel like they fit me or describe me. But right. this one felt like it described me to a T. Exactly. Um, exactly. And that's what I love about the Enneagram and Ian Crone's approach to it is just that, you know, humans are all different, but we're different on a scale of like who we are and we can move up and down on that scale at any given point. It, that book honestly also helped me in all of my engagements with clients, with sales, with marketing. It just helped me understand people better. Um, as well as myself. Um, but my, my biggest, um, I don't, I don't want to say problem with that book was that I, I just wanted to share it with everybody and not everybody's <laughs> ready to read that book. Yes, <laughs> so yeah. like, you have to read this. You have to, <laughs> like, you have to know how messed up you are <laughs> or not, you know? Yeah. Um, I could totally relate to that. <laughs> so everybody's just like, Leah, chill with the Enneagram stuff. Like, leave me alone. Well, I, you have to be at the right place, you know, you in do. your life to be able to read it and kind of accept the feedback and stuff. Cause if you're yep. not ready, it's not going to do anything for you. Exactly. And that's what asking all these women, all these questions, it kind of got me to the point where I was ready to, I was, re- I was open enough to hear it. Um, I went from being, you know, very, very broken, um, to, getting myself in a place where I could, you know, I could accept, I could accept some feedback. Um, I was pretty broken. Like, I don't know if it gets a whole lot worse than I was. I think, I think we all are broken or we have some part of us that's broken. It's just whether or not you use it as an excuse or you use it to take action. Yes. Yes, totally. Whether or not you're willing to take responsibility for it. Yep. Absolutely. So let's move on a little bit. Will you share with us what you're most proud of accomplishing? Ooh, um, you know, I'm most proud of, of changing, changing my own life and changing my own mind. Um, I, um, I grew up in an environment where it, you know, it was not welcome to ask questions. Um, you were not really welcome to challenge the status quo when it came to, you know, bettering yourself and bettering your mind. Like if you were not going to take the religious stuff they told you as the gospel truth for every aspect of your life, then, you know, you were probably going to hell. Um, and I, you know, I let that run my life for about 27 years and it took a lot of work and a lot of emotional energy just to just to rewrite that mantra in my head. Um, and at its core, I believe that I was not valuable. Um, and that just ran every aspect of my life that ran every business decision. It ran how I approach my marriage, how I approach my kids, how I approach friendship, um, how I talk to myself, of course. And by doing the work and like spending the emotional energy on trying to rewrite that, work, you know, spending the money to work with professionals, spending the time quitting my day job. Um, and I'm not saying you have to do that, but in, in my case, I had to leave the toxic environment where I was at. Um, so making some major, major, major life changes, um, you know, walking away from a steady, comfortable paycheck to, you know, starting my own business, which 
most people don't talk about. It's pretty hard. Like it's slow at first. So I'm most proud of changing the mantra in my mind because I, um, I've been able to make a bigger impact with more people and been able to live a better life, have a better marriage, um, and be a better mom because of it. So you said change the mantra in your mind. Is there a specific mantra that you have? So I had to tell myself a specific mantra to reframe that you are worthless. You are not valuable in my head. So it took time for me to rewrite that and to kind of cancel it out, to stop saying that to myself. What's interesting is we have approximately 60,000 thoughts a day. And what it looks like is, Leah, you're fucking worthless. Oh, look at that tree. Wow, this road is really pretty. Oh, I wonder what my kid's going to eat for lunch. Leah, you're a fucking failure, right? And so it's like woven in through all these 60,000 thoughts you have a day. I don't know how many times I thought those negative things, but it showed up in all sorts of different phrases to myself. And so when I became aware of the negative things I was telling myself, I had to, it, it took, I don't know, four or five days, but that was after like two and a half years of prepping for this. So it took about four or five days of me just, on, it felt like all I was doing was saying, Leah, you are beautiful. Leah, you are valuable. Leah, you are, I forget all the things I said to myself. You are strong. You are powerful. Um, just all sorts of things that really mattered to me that resonated with me. It wasn't like I copied and pasted them out of somebody else's mantra book. They were right, ones right. that I didn't believe about myself. Um, and so every time I, I recognized that I was thinking that I was a joke or I was worthless, I would tell myself those things. And so your mind, your mind is programmed to think a certain way. I had been telling it that I was worthless since I was about five, four or five. Um, and everything in my life had proven to that point that I was worthless. So I kept becoming someone else. I kept doing what somebody else wanted. And then I got love. I got appreciation. I got admiration. That's how I thought the only way to get loved was, was to achieve something. So that was like 27 years of saying that to, to my head. So it took time for, I mean, my mind was pissed that I was completely changing everything. It was like, what the hell, Leah? I've made this really easy for you. I've got this whole script automatic in your head and your body knows how to do it. Like, what are you doing? You're messing everything up. I'm, I've done this for you. I've made this for you. That's what my mind was telling me. And um, so having to rewrite that took a serious amount of intention and effort. Um, and like I said, it was like four or five days of just constant. Like it felt like that's all I could do is just tell myself, Leah, you're amazing. You're powerful. Um, and then after that, it became kind of second nature. Uh, and I added in some habits into my life to kind of um, reinforce the new patterns that I had developed. Right. So what I find funny is, or interesting is when you said like, Leah, you're fucking worthless. Like it makes me cringe, right? Yeah. Because it's like, I hate when people talk to themselves that way. But the funny thing is we all talk to ourselves that way, or at least sometimes and you just have to get better at it. But when somebody else does, it's like, how can you talk to yourself that way? You know, I don't I know. know. I just think it's interesting. It is. It is. And I mean, we are always the hardest on ourselves. Um, what's really important is that you start recognizing the way you're talking to yourself. Um, so I've said this before, but me saying those negative things to myself, that showed up in a lot of different ways. So um, 
I actually heard Rachel Hollis talk about this the first time. I'm going to pull it up. Um, I talk, I heard Rachel Hollis talking about this for the first time, but actually it's, it's mentioned in the book Atomic Habits. And so a good pattern for the listeners to, um, to start using is that for any habit, you have a cue, you have a craving, you have a response, and you have a reward, right? So for me, my cue was that sign, that like voice in my head, like, Leah, you're fucking worthless, right? That was the cue. Now, I had grown numb to that. I didn't know that I, I didn't know I was saying that to myself. I had no clue. It was totally just, it was like breathing, right? Don't right. even know I do it. Um, but then I have the craving. The craving is achieve something, like achieve something, Leah, you, you're worthless. So achieve something and you won't be worthless. So the response was depending on how strong that craving was, the response was to either like go out and do something good, or it was to start manically. Like if there was nothing I could really put my hands around and like do and get done and achieve, then I would start manically approaching life. Like what can I do? How can I fix something? What, what is there that I can achieve? Like I need to achieve something. It was like, give me my drug. I need my drug. Um, and then the reward is to like, for me, it was to achieve the thing and be like, oh, okay. And then it would, it would cycle again. Right. Cause it only, that reward only lasted a split second. Um, so it was just like constant, constant, constant doing, 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 doing. So that seems like an easy trap to fall into, especially now that you're an entrepreneur it seems like yeah. easy to just keep shooting for the goals or putting your worth on that. How do you avoid going back to that? Yeah, that's a good question. So I, I, um, I'm a big one on questions. Um, you have to be asking yourself the right questions. And especially for the entrepreneurs out there, you have to be, at, you have to know those things about yourself and know what, like know the answer to where you want your business to go, who you want to serve in your business. In order to break that loop, right? When, when saying I'm fucking worthless is just like breathing, you're not going to go forward. Like you're going to be stuck. You're going to be constantly anxious like I was, right? But when you as an entrepreneur, you know the cues, you know the things that you're saying to yourself, you are aware, you are curious, you're constantly and daily asking yourself the right questions of, you know, say, say, say it happens. Like you have the cue. And all of a sudden, like, you're feeling so anxious because, you know, you need the drug, like you need, you need an achievement. That's when you stop and you're like, whoa, I recognize this. Like, this is the pattern I was in for 30 years. This is not the person I am anymore. Why am I so restless? Why am I so anxious? And you start asking questions. That's when you stop that habit loop and you rewrite a new one right? So say I, I find myself like, I need, I need to achieve something. Like this is not happening. It's not moving fast enough. I stop and I say, why? What, what's going on? And I can walk myself back and you know, the cue isn't going to, the cue isn't necessarily going to change. You're, you're wanting to feel loved. You know, th these are like the basic core ones, right? But that cue of you're fucking worthless, it's actually, am I loved? Am I valuable? Like that's, that's the deeper question. So you can walk yourself back to that and say, yeah, you are valuable. Like doesn't really matter if you close a deal today. Um, you are, and then you can walk yourself through that. And once you understand that whole system, you can be more mindful. I tell, I tell 
my clients and I use this in my own like sales practice, you have to know the questions, right? So even let's, let's approach this a little bit differently. Say you're, you want to work with a new client, right? You have to know what their cue is. Like you have to know what they want. If you know what you want and you have a good idea of what they want, then you can find a creative solution together. But you have to have, you have to be ready with the right questions to understand what they want. And you can kind of lead them into understanding who, what that is for themselves. And so you could help them in that way, you know? Yeah, totally. I like the whole questions thing that you said, because it's actionable. It's something mm-hmm. that people can do, you know, and take the steps to do just by asking themselves the right question. Exactly. So let's switch and talk a little bit about struggles. Tell us about a time when you gave up, but now you wish you wouldn't have. Well, I read over, I, there are a lot of experiences in my life that I could probably talk to. Um, but I'll mention one and it's one that I don't really like to talk about, but I got kicked off my soccer team when I was in college. I started playing soccer when I was five and I was really good at it and got a full ride to play soccer in college. I was captain of my soccer team as a sophomore, junior, and senior. I'm just kind of like, I, I just have a lot of leadership traits. I like, I like to be leading from within. Um, but I never stopped to ask myself the questions of why I was doing the things I was. I was totally caught up in being what everybody else wanted me to be and making everyone else happy and being a total go-getter for everyone else, right? Like I had to be the top 5% for everything that anyone cared about. So that also meant that I was, you know, top 5% on my soccer team, top 5% um, at my job, top 5% at school, top 5% at the party, um, top five, you know, like I was, I was the best at drinking, smoking, playing soccer, working hard, whatever. So drinking was not allowed during season, um, strictly like no drinking. And I, um, I did it anyway. And I got my wrist slapped a couple of times, but I truly just felt like I was above the rules. I was really good. I, I mean, I had, like I said earlier, I mean, I've been kind of selling my whole life. And so I, I was really good at like getting out of trouble. Um, I, I knew the right things to say. I knew how to, I just knew how to play the system. And so I, you know, I got out of it a few times and then my coach came on, came down pretty hard and, um, I got in some like bigger trouble. I had to, I, I actually hosted a party, uh, for my soccer team and like all the other athletes at my house and kind of caused a big ripple in the system. And I, you know, I paid the price, didn't really think too much about it. But then, you know, a week or two later, friends called me, Hey, Leah, you got to come to this party. You know, they're calling me, calling me, calling me. Finally, I was just like, I, I said no a few times. Cause I was like, no, I really, really shouldn't. I'm walking on thin ice here. But the more they called, it was just like, you know what, that like, you know, that codependency on what people think of me, it, it kicked into high gear. And I was just like, you know what? They might not like me anymore if I don't come to this party. I have to come to this party because then they'll love me and, you know, I'll get my fix, right? So I went to the party and I got kicked off the team that next day. And it was not even a fun party. I was not even drinking at it, <laughs> but 
I went and I was not supposed to, and I felt like I was above the law. Um, and so I didn't necessarily quit. I quit on myself because I didn't stand up for what I wanted. Um, and then I got kicked off. I lost my scholarship. So I had to pay. Um, I had to pay the rest of that. My parents did not pay for my tuition. I had a mortgage at the time. I, it was, it was the biggest lesson I've ever learned. Um, and what's funny is I, if I would have been ready, I could have learned the lesson that I learned, you know, 10 years later almost. Um, but I wasn't ready then. Like I just saw that as like, shit, I just lost a lot of money. That was dumb. Um, instead of holy cow, Leah, you are totally codependent on what these other people think of you. And you are willing to let, you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollars go because you, you cared about what these people at a party were think would think of you. Like who cares? Yeah, totally. You're also much younger. You know, know. the younger you, sometimes it takes us several times to learn a lesson. (laughs) You know, I heard something once, um, you'll, you will keep getting the same lesson until you pass. Right. I liked that a lot. I got got the same lesson a lot of times. (laughs) I hear you. Me too. (laughs) So can you share with us a story about one of the hardships you have faced to get to where you are now? Yeah. So I grew up with a lot of manipulation and that kind of became second nature to me as, as you know, many women do, you kind of repeat the patterns that you learn as a child. So, you know, say you have an abusive father, you start dating abusive men, right? Um, I had, there was a lot of manipulation in my childhood. So I attracted more manipulation. Um, you know, I went into sales, I attracted like manipulative manipulative men into my life. And there was, after I launched my business, there was somebody who came into my life. We, uh, we exchanged services, um, like not really business partners, but we exchanged services. Um, and he basically promised me fortune fame and anything I could ever want. Um, and I totally fell hook, line, and sinker, sinker for it. Um, and just like a word of warning to all of those listening, when something sounds too good to be true, it probably is. So like put all of your radar up. So I, you know, we, we became, for lack of a better word, business partners in a very, very loose sense. And quickly I realized like something's not right. I had done all of this personal development work. I had totally become a different person. And all of a sudden I was getting all of the same anxiety, all of the same, just like panic attacks, like all of this stuff was coming back. And my husband was deployed at the time, which was a blessing looking back. Um, I hated it at the time because he's like my anchor. So my husband was deployed at the time and I, I, I just knew something had to change. And like, if I closed my eyes, I could, and looked at my life like a heat map, which is what I often do when I feel anxiety. I saw all the heat by this guy. Um, and so I approached him. I was like, Hey, something's got to change. Um, I don't know what it is. I think maybe I have too much on my plate. We've really got to re look at our, you know, what we're providing to each other and just, you know, refigure this. He did not like that. Um, and just started like, I mean, it, it got excessive. Um, 
it was very clear, very quick that we were not aligned, that he was really trying to manipulate me, that he had very different intentions than I did. I tried to backpedal and I, I was like, Hey, I appreciate everything that we've done for each other so far. It really was kind of a draw, um, at that point, um, from my standpoint. And I was just like, let's just cut this off. He did not like that at all. And it put me into a tailspin because I was trying to get away from this very manipulative man and very manipulative men were a trauma in my childhood. And I could not escape. He wouldn't let me escape. So that mantra in my head was saying, Leah, you're not valuable, but I had to escape. And I had to spend copious amounts of legal fees to protect myself and to escape. That was the only way to get out. And so I was, I was spending a lot of money on myself, which is something I hate doing because of that, like, Leah, you're not valuable thing in my head. And I was also being manipulated, which is something that brings back all those memories of trauma. My husband was gone. So my like protector was gone. So it was just me. I had nobody really to turn to. I could, I didn't feel like I could talk to it about, talk to anybody about it because I felt like I was such a failure for falling for this like, you know, miracle cure guy. And, um, so I just, like I said, I went into a tailspin. It was, it was one of the most stressful experiences of my adulthood. Um, and definitely of like my journey towards, um, rewriting my mind. Um, and it was one of the like last steps that I had to go through in order to like really break into my own self. So through lots of therapy, I, um, I realized that by allowing other people to manipulate me, I was allowing myself to not be valuable right? And by avoiding spending money on myself and on my protection, I was again, verifying that I was not valuable. And like all of these big things, I actually had to go back into the traumas that I experienced as a kid and kind of relive them and unpack them. And that was not something I was even aware that I had to do. And there were so, you know, looking back on my childhood, I had a pretty good childhood, you know, like nothing too terrible happened. It was fine. But there were things that really, really impacted me and my self-worth. I had to spend a lot of time digging through those traumas. And, and then that's what finally led me to the point of understanding that I was, I was holding on to that truth, that I wasn't valuable. And once I recognized that, that was when I could spend the time reframing it. And it was only once I reframed that, but I wouldn't have been able to reframe it if I hadn't gone through that horrible, ex horrible experience. And you know, it was the most expensive mistake of my life. It was a $10,000 mistake. Right. But you also had to be willing to do the work. You know what I mean? Exactly. If you exactly. weren't willing to do the work, you wouldn't have come out on the other side of it. You're right. You're right. And this was again, another example of, you know, if, uh, if you don't pass the test, you'll keep getting the same one. So the test keeps getting harder and harder and harder and like more unavoidable, right? Totally. So this was, this was an unavoidable lesson that, you know, I shared that story of soccer, right? It was that same lesson, just bigger and at a different point in my life when I was ready for it. And it's like, do you really want this? Like it's challenging you. Do you really want this? Or are you just going to give up easily and go back to your old ways? 
Yes. Because I think whenever you choose to do something, life is going to challenge you or give you roadblocks and it's kind of up to you if you choose to keep going. Exactly. Totally. So what I also thought was interesting is when you were talking about when you first got in the relationship or like the business relationship with this guy, did you have like a gut feeling or an instinct? I know a lot of times I feel like women have gut feelings, but we just don't necessarily follow them. Yep. But also in your body, sometimes you just feel something's wrong. You might not be able to pinpoint it, but like your stomach just clenches up or you just feel uptight or nervous, but you can't even explain it. And you're like, well, he seems like a nice guy. Did you have any of that stuff? I totally did. And you would, so there's a book that I really like on this topic. It's called the gift of fear. I forget who writes it. Um, that's a great book to read on this topic. Yes, I did. The very first time I met him, I remember thinking, first of all, the thing that like attracted to me, attracted me to him was this thought of he, like this thought of hope, like he could be my, my easy button. Like he's my easy button. Whenever you attach someone to an easy button, that's a red flag. Like no other human but yourself can make your dreams happen. Like you are it. No yep. one else is going to do that for you. Um, so that was the first thing that in hindsight I could see. Now, when I had my first conversation with him, I right away was like, ooh, this guy's weird. There's something weird about him. And then, you know, my mind took over and was like, but he's, he can make, he can bring fortune and fame and everything else. Um, and so I was just like, no, it's fine, Leah. And I like continue And every time we had an interaction, something was like, Hmm, that's weird. And even my husband, um, before one of my meetings with this guy, my husband was like, this guy's weird. I don't like it. So it's, it was flag after flag after flag. And only when the pressure was unbearable, did I do something about it? So let's talk a little bit about societal norms. Mm. That, that you're a mom and that you're married or have you ever struggled with societal norms and also have you struggled with mom guilt god yeah um i like i felt like i got married at 24 and i like totally loved my husband totally glad we got married but i really felt a lot of pressure that if i didn't get married i was like a fuck up um so I, I totally felt that. I also felt that about having children. Love my children. Glad I had them. Um, but yeah, especially with my first, like I felt the pressure to have children and not to wait. And, you know, mom guilt, totally. I, I used to feel it really, really bad. Now, not so much just because I know what my goals are. I know what my vision is. I know what I need as a per person. And for me, I need daycare. Um, I, I'm not a stay at home mom. Like I have the most respect for stay at home moms. They're amazing. That is a job that I'm not cut out for. Um, so I know I need daycare. Um, I know I need my work. So I, it, it's kind of knowing yourself and knowing what makes you the best person. Um, I heard someone say once children don't remember the time you spend away, they remember how you loved them. And I, I heard that and I was like, Every mom who has mom guilt should, should feel that or should hear that because it's true. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter about like bringing your kids to daycare or going on a date night or having a girl's night or taking a retreat away, like, or even traveling for work or whatever. Kids remember how much you love them. So 
Is that what you remind yourself of when you're feeling, when you're struggling with mom guilt? Oh yeah, totally. I, I, it's a couple things. I remind myself of that. Like kids, kids remember how much you love them. And also just remembering, okay, what do I need as a human? Like, what do I need to be full so that I can give fully to other people? And when I prioritize my own needs, that's when I am the best mom, the best wife, the best daughter, sister, whatever, friend. So when I know what I need as a person and I know that I have responsibility and I can take responsibility for that, that makes the mom guilt kind of fade away. So you mentioned earlier, like about the 24 year old you, and I can't remember if it was the pressure to get married or to have a kid at that time, but what would you say to another 24 year old going through that or feeling that way? You're the only person, like your mom or mother-in-law or, you know, sister, society, they can put all that pressure on you, but like, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. Get married when you want to, um, make mistakes, learn from them. don't do something because someone else said so. And if you feel anxiety about it, ask yourself a question. Why? Why do I feel anxiety about this? Why do I feel like I have to get married? Oh, because my grandma did? Well, like, sorry, sister, times have changed. Totally. Love it. So let's talk a little bit about your mindset. Tell me about your mindset and how it has led to your badassery. Mindset. Uh, That's a a topic I, uh, read a lot about and talk a lot about and, um, prioritize. Um, so mindset is everything, um, with sales, with life, with marriage, with kids, with your career, you have to have your mind in the right place before you can do anything. So many times women are like, I suck at sales. I can't do sales. I can't launch a business because I can't grow it. Like they have all this expertise and, they, they're holding on to this stupid lie that they suck at sales or that they can't do sales. And the only time sales are sleazy or slimy is when people are motivated by the wrong thing, right? When people are motivated to help other people and to serve, it stops being slimy. Um, you start asking the right questions of yourself and of your clients to, to serve them and to make the impact you know you're capable of. Mindset is just, it's, it's huge. There are so many books I can recommend for, for, the listeners. Um, I mean, a good one is breaking the habit of being yourself. That's an amazing book by Joe Dispenza talks all about just rewriting your mind. If you only read one book, that's probably a good one to read. Another one is man's search for meaning. Um, that's actually, it's a book written by a Holocaust survivor. And that's a book I think every human should read. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, another one is called struggle. Well, Um, it's by, I have it right here. Um, Josh Goldberg and Ken Falky. Um, that one's, it's written for like military, but it's applicable to every, everyone. There's a a YouTube video, um, from Sean Croxton and I think it's called why you keep sabotaging yourself. It's a 20 minute video that will help you completely change your mindset. Um, Mindset is so important. I guess that's what I, that's what I'm trying to get to. It's uh, it's what will make or break your life, your business, your career, your marriage, everything. Yeah, and kind of like you said, if you don't have the right mindset, you can read a book and figure it out, or watch videos on people who have a good mindset or how they got it, and 
we're in the day and age of technology. There's so many ways to improve our mindset. Yes. And that is something so, so often people like you see so many courses and ebook or not ebooks, but like so many thousand dollar courses and just like big ticket items. Um, it, like, you know, $300 a month program to help people take control of their mindset. And as somebody who hates spending money on myself, there was not a chance in hell I was going to spend that. Right. And also from a sales standpoint, like, I really don't like that. I think it's kind of bullshit for people to think that they have to spend four grand on a course to take control of their mind. Like all the books I just mentioned, the YouTube videos, like you can literally do anything you want with books and YouTube videos. You just have to read and watch the right ones. Yeah. Um, Podcast, just like this. Right. And it's something you have to take responsibility for. So many times people are trying to like take courses so that somebody can like be their easy button. Nobody can do that, but you. People are at different stages in their journey, and I get that. And sometimes paying for a big ticket item will give you the accountability you need to actually do it. But I just want to warn people or tell people that like you can change your life just by asking the people around you. Get three to five people to surround yourself with. It could be a podcast. One of those people could be a podcast. Yep, totally. um, and, and, and just start becoming more like the people you aspire to be. It's, a, it's as simple as that. Yeah. And I like what you said kind of about accountability and responsibility. Mindset isn't always something that just comes to you naturally. You know, you really mm-hmm. do have to work on it and seek oh, yeah. the mindset that you Every want um, and have it be a continual practice. Otherwise, yeah. it'll fall by the wayside just as easily. Totally. It's, it's a habit, just like working out. You can't yep. be super fit. You know, you can't spend two years working out four times a week and then stop for a year and expect yourself to be in shape. It doesn't work that way. Right. Exactly. Same with your mind. So we kind of already hit on this, but do you have any tips or tricks to help us improve our mindset? Watch the Sean Croxton um, video I mentioned about how to stop sabotaging yourself. Um, That is 20 minutes. It's super actionable. I couldn't say it better. Um, If you're ready to change your mind, watch that video. And then read Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself by Joe Dispenza. Uh, those are two things. And I'll, I'll send you the link so you can, you can link them to the show notes. Okay, cool. Sounds good. Can you share one of the greatest mindset hacks that you have for confidence and self-esteem? Yeah, this is actually really, really simple and it is my specialty. Um, you ask for it. Like you ask for what you want. That is it. As women, we are strategically placed to get what we want. Like, think about it. Think about all the things that you could just get by, by asking for it. Like, if I wanted to have sex with anyone right now, I could like <laughs> probably walk into any bar and be like, hey, I want to have sex. Like, I wouldn't do that. I'm happily married. Um, but like, you can get that. A guy can't get that, right? Like, a guy couldn't walk into a group of females and be like, I want to have sex. Like, <laughs> not going to happen, right? Right. Um, we can get anything we want. Um, people wonder why I'm so good at sales. It's because I ask for what I want and I ask them what they want and I make something work between the two of us. You know, I make something mutually beneficial. You have to know your audience and ask them for something that they are positioned to give you. So 
when you start doing this more and more, it's like your confidence starts oozing. I, even as a kid, my mom would say, Leah, you could confidently lead people in the wrong direction. <laughs> and like, I could, because I was so good at understanding the understanding my audience, understanding what their goals were and what they wanted without specifically like saying, please tell me what you want. You know, asking them the right right questions to understand what they were motivated by, what they wanted. And then just, you have to be clear about what you want and what you want in your life is a big question. That is one I could not answer when I was 27, but what I want out of a specific interaction, totally different, right? Like I want to go to the acai bowl spot. My husband wants Chipotle. I'm going to figure out how to make us get to the acai bowl spot, right? (laughs) Yeah, totally. And I think it's so important, like you said, to ask for what you want because it's so easy not to, or to ask once and leave it alone and consider it a rejection. Like if you don't hear back or you don't get an answer, it's like, ask again, you know? (laughs) Be pleasantly persistent. Um, In sales, there's the key number. It's the number seven. Uh, You until you've tried seven times to get a response out of somebody and you've had zero feedback or only negative feedback, that's when you walk away, right? Figure out how to be very pleasant in all seven of those interactions. And if you've got nothing after that, then walk away. But most people quit after one, two, sometimes three. And after three, they're like, oh no, it's not going to work. No, be pleasantly persistent. Ask for it. Continue to ask for it. And this doesn't just apply for business. This applies for life. If you want something or it's something that you're passionate about, ask more than once because the one time oftentimes isn't going to get you the result that you want. Exactly. You know what? A good example of this was when I was negotiating for, I was negotiating for my salary and compensation at a company. And I, I talked to the CFO about it and he gave me a number that I was just like, meh. Um, (laughs) Then I went to the CEO And I told him like, Hey, you're not going to get me for that. Like, sorry, but, um, it's just not going to happen. Here's what I need. And I knew like, I had a feel, I, I, I didn't just have a feeling like I knew the range that they were willing to go for. I knew what I was worth. I knew what other people with my skills could offer. And my skills were of somebody, you know, 10, 15 years senior, right? So most women would be like, no, I need 10 more years experience. Well, I was good. Like I didn't need 10 more years to practice my skill. Like I was, I was good enough for that right now. So I told him, I told him the number I wanted and the number that the CEO gave me versus the number that the CEO gave me. And what I ultimately took were $45,000 difference. Like, right. I mean, it, it's, it's just stark. I got told no. So I went in a different direction. I continued to hold my ground and I did so with confidence and also with um, not just being like, yeah, I I want this number because I'm awesome. Like I had proof for why it was worth it and what I could deliver for them. I knew how I, I knew how I learned best. I knew what I could deliver for them. I, I mean, you have to do some homework, but just ask for it. Right. And then even asking for it at the beginning is important because you think about it, if you start off $45,000 in advance, like ahead of time, you're 45,000 up. How long would that have taken you to get there? If you had started the $45,000 less, you know, you might not have ever gotten there. Right. I I would never gotten there. Yeah. Never. So important. Yeah. So do you have a mantra or meditation practice? 
I do. I practice TM, um, transcendental meditation. So I, I meditate at least once a day. I try to do twice. Um, so once in the morning, once in the afternoon, 20 minutes each time. Um, I, I find that's very helpful. It's not always easy. Um, I, um, I like to go, 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 go and sitting and, um, doing TM twice a day is sometimes not fun, but I always feel better after. And it always puts me in a better place. Nice. And I highly recommend it. So let's talk about tips for things that you have learned. Okay. If you could share one tip that you wish every female knew about, what would it be? Be curious. Those two words, when you're in the position to actually be curious, will change your life. Um, when I started wondering who, what, who I was or what I wanted or why I was working so hard, that was when I could open myself up. And for me, I was in a pretty like dark place with a pretty big codependency problem, a pretty big ego problem. It took me a year, year and a half to get to the place where I was open enough to receive, to start making big changes in my life. But it had to start with being curious. It had to start with asking those questions. So for any women, woman out there who's not like happy in her life, like start being curious, start asking yourself some pretty big questions. How do you get inspired and stay motivated? I get inspired by going inward and I always stay away from like scare tactics in my business, in my life. Um, I, if anyone is using scare tactics on me, I turn and run out the other direction. Um, but I will offer one like word of warning, um, for the listeners who feel like they need motivation like outward motivation. They need someone to motivate them. They need something to inspire them. You're looking in the wrong direction. Like that's going to take you down the road of becoming someone else that you don't necessarily want to be. You're going to start attaching yourself to someone else's goals. I did that for, you know, 27 years. Um, I took Rachel Hollis's goals because she seemed like she was doing all right. I took, you know, Brene Brown's goals. I took my husband's goals. I took my boss's goals. And only when I started looking inward, did I really, truly become inspired to live how I wanted to be sustainably. Yeah, that's so good. I think we often look to the outside world for answers when all the answers that you have are inside. I mean, it sounds so cliche. It does. But it's true. But it's true. <laughs> Anytime you go with what somebody else says or wants, it just doesn't feel right for you. And you end up having to go back and redo the work anyway. Right. Right. And sometimes you end up like me 27 years in and like, you're like, I literally don't know how to get to the bottom of who I actually am. No clue. Right. Don't be me. Go inward. I like it. <laughs> okay. So let's do, let's talk about some badass advice and this is going to be more rapid fire. Okay. What was your turning point for accomplishing your goals and becoming a badass? Understanding the bullshit that lies I was telling myself. Great. Do you have a morning and evening routine that you can share with us? I wish I did. I do not. <laughs> um, I have, rather than routines, I'm not like, I do not like routines. Like routines actually make me want to crawl out of my skin. Um, I have a lot of habits. Um, I work out or move every day. So whether that's a Metcon workout, whether it's a run, cycle, a walk, whatever it is, I move every day. I also do TM once or twice a day. I it, it depends if my husband's like deployed or not. Um, 
on anything else really. But like, those are the two things that I make sure I do every single day. And also like on weekdays, work days, I don't schedule calls before like 10 AM because I need that time to like reconnect with me, get my head in the game, um, and get going. Uh, so those are some habits that I have. Also, I have a lot of like healthy eating habits. I really prioritize myself and my health. Okay. So I got to know what is Metcon? Oh, metabolic conditioning, like CrossFit, um, oh, okay. you know, high, uh, like intensity. Impact. Oh. Yeah. High intensity. That's the one intensity. Okay. <laughs> so what is one thing you've learned from a woman in your life? This is really hard for me because I've recorded over 70 episodes and I think I've learned something on every single one. Um, but something that I learned recently was from a dear friend of mine and we went to a retreat together. Um, she has been just, you know, going through some hard times in her life and I hadn't heard her laugh in a long time. Like I hadn't heard like a belly laugh in a long time. And she's somebody I just really admire and look up to and love. I, you know, I, I just, I hadn't heard her, her laugh. So we went to this retreat. It was a lot about like mindset and uh, releasing past traumas and yoga and like all kinds of good stuff. On the night before we left, I heard her laugh. Like I heard like a belly laugh and I just like looked at her and I realized for the first time that that's what finding yourself is. Like that's what reframing your mindset is. That's what taking responsibility for your life is. It's, it's being able to belly laugh, like taking all that pressure off yourself and walking away from the things that you can't control and just like being able to spontaneously belly laugh. And like when you can do that, when you can just have that connection to yourself and like take yourself not so seriously, um, that's when you're living. Like that is success. Love that. Can you share a habit or practice that has contributed to your success? I've been working out since I was five. Uh, I get asked a lot, like, what do you do? You're so fit. And um, it's probably 30 years of working out. I work out, you know, sometimes three days a week, sometimes five, totally depends. I love street parking. They program my high intensity workout, but that's a habit that I've had that I developed. Um, and it started with just working hard. I grew up on a farm and I learned how to work really hard. I learned how to put my whole heart into everything I do. And even though that was a component that led me to putting my whole heart into becoming someone else, it trained me to be a really hard worker and you know to put a lot of grit into my workouts, my work, my marriage, my life. And you know that habit of consistently doing my best no matter what I'm doing, that's one of my best qualities. That's one of my most, I, I mean, I'm most proud of that ha habit. Yeah. I don't think I ever realized as a kid or my younger years, the mental health benefits of working out and getting exercise. Like it's amazing. It is. It is. I can totally see a difference when I do it versus when I don't. Yep. Absolutely. What do you wish everyone knew about confidence and overcoming obstacles? That you are in, in control of it, like that you can take responsibility for it and all you have to do is ask, you know, for confidence, like just ask for what you want. It sounds super, super simple, but if you get super clear about what you want, you understand your audience, you're gonna get it. And once you start getting what, like the things that you want the most, you start being more confident. 
I think it's so important for all of us to take that into consideration. Ask for what you want, get clear on what you want, and you're going to get it. And hopefully you'll build confidence in the meantime. Now let's transition. How often do you read and can you recommend a book and share why? Um, I could probably share 17 how much time do we got. Um, I read all the time. Um, I read as much as possible. I mostly listen to books, um, but a few of my favorites I've mentioned already, Struggle Well, um, that, that would relate to your audience. So Struggle Well, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself by Joe Dispenza, Man's Search for Meeting by Viktor Frankl. Um, let's see, Managing Oneself. It's a really short, fast read by Peter F. Drucker. It was written in the Depression. Uh, some books I like on sales and marketing, the best you'll find on sales and marketing, in fact. Uh, Contagious by Jonah Berger. Um, the Challenger Sale and Propaganda. That was a book also written, I think, in the 40s or 50s. And it's still the best book on marketing there is. So those are all books I would recommend. Okay, great. So let's end with a tip to empower women. And if you'll share how the audience can connect with you. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. I, uh, when I started my podcast for as much good as the women, the women who were being interviewed on my podcast, as much good knowledge that they were giving me, I noticed a theme and that was that most women are afraid to sell and they were afraid to like grow their business or lean into what they were trying to do. They had all this expertise, all this amazing knowledge and they weren't getting it out there. And so I was like, Hey, if there's one problem I can solve, it's that I may not like, I may be on this journey of my own, but I can help women with this problem. And so that's really what launched me into my consultancy as a business and leaving my like toxic job to do that and to help women. So I would say a tip um, that I'll share is, is actually a guide that I put together. And I asked 20 fellow entrepreneurs who are just amazing and who have built these great brands and these great businesses like Melissa Hartwig. She's the founder of Whole30. Um, Ben Bergeron, he's the number one CrossFit coach. Uh, Sean Croxton, I've mentioned him a few times. Pat Flynn, he's like the leading guy on um, passive income, right? So I those were just a few of the names that I had come in just to talk about how to grow your business in a mindful way without feeling gross about it. So I will send you the link for that and you can include it in the show notes. And the answer is you can grow your business. You can make the impact you want to without like feeling sleazy and without feeling like you want to crawl out of your skin. That's what I do with my clients. That's, I mean, I coach specifically women who have service oriented businesses, but also, I mean, in my podcast, it's really anybody, whether you have a business or not. So grab that guide and you'll get 20 one actually 21 pieces of advice on people who have done it before you and there it's just a really tangible way for you to grab something implement it right now and get on with your day so how can the audience connect with you on instagram i'm shine strong podcast um my website is shinestrong.co um you can email me leah at shinestrong.co and on linkedin i'm leah Loray. okay great Thank you so much, Leah, for being on the show. You have been a total badass and I've enjoyed hearing your story. Thank you. I've loved it. it uh, it's been such an honor. Um, you're a great host. Thank you so much. And with that, we'll end our show. To all your badass women out there in the arena, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, own it and get after it. Hey, before you go, I wanted to tell you about a couple of resources. 
First, there's an Ordinary to Badass group on Facebook. We would love to have you there and join the community. Also, I have a blog at OrdinaryToBadass.com. Usually, I post about two times a month. If you subscribe, you can also get weekly newsletters, which are usually a deep dive into a certain topic. And sometimes I give resources like books, podcasts, blogs, anything that I see that's badass. We'd love to have you. Now that you've listened to this episode of Ordinary to Badass, we want to hear from you. Go to our website, OrdinaryToBadass.com slash podcast and submit your own experience on how you took your life from ordinary to badass and get the chance to be on a future Spotlight episode of the show. That's OrdinaryToBadass.com forward slash podcast. While you're waiting for the next episode of the show, wipe off the sweat, dust off the dirt, and get back in the arena.